Chapter Three of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Three. Dorilaus continues his importunities with some unexpected consequences that attended them. Poor Louisa concealed the distraction she was in as much as possible she could from the maid, who immediately came into the room on Dorilaus having quitted it, and suffered her to undress and put her to bed as usual, but was no sooner there than instead of composing herself to sleep she began to reflect on what he had said. The words, that there was no answering for the consequences of a passion such as his, gave her the most terrible idea. His actions, too, this night, seemed to threaten her with all a virgin had to fear. She knew him a man of honour, but thought she had too much reason to suspect that if she persisted in refusing to be his wife, that passion which had influenced him, contrary to his character, to make her such an offer, would also be too potent for any consideration of her to restrain him from proceeding to extremities. Having debated everything within her own mind, she thought she ought not to continue a day longer in the power of a man who loved her to this extravagant degree. Where to go, indeed, she knew not. She had no friend, or even acquaintance to whom she might repair, or hope to be received. How should she support herself, then? Which way procure even the most common necessaries of life? This was a dreadful prospect yet appeared less so than that she would avoid. Even starving lost its horrors when compared either to being compelled to wed a man whom she could not affect as a husband, or by refusing him run the risk of forfeiting her honour. She therefore hesitated but a small time, and having once formed the resolution of quitting Dorilaus's house, immediately set about putting it into execution. In the first place, not to be ungrateful to him as a benefactor, she sat down and wrote the following letter to be left for him on her table sir heaven having rendered me of a disposition utterly incapable of receiving the honour you would do me it would be an ill return for all the unmerited favours you have heaped upon me to prolong the disquiets i have unhappily occasioned by continuing in your presence besides sir the education you have vouchsafed to give me has been such as informs me a person of my sex makes but an odd figure while in the power of one of yours possessed of the sentiments you are these sir are the reasons which oblige me to withdraw and i hope when well considered will enough apologise for my doing so to keep you from hating what you have but too much loved for i beseech you to believe a great truth which is that the most terrible idea i carry with me is lest while i fly the one i should incur the other and that wheresoever my good or ill stars shall conduct me my first and last prayers shall be for the peace health and prosperity of my most generous and ever honoured patron and benefactor judge favourably therefore of this action and rather pity than condemn the unfortunate louisa having sealed and directed this she dressed herself in one of the least remarkable and plainest suits she had taking nothing with her but a little linen which she crammed into her pockets and so sat waiting till she heard some of the family were stirring then went downstairs 
and being seen by one of the footmen, she told him she was not very well, and was going to take a little walk in hopes the fresh air might relieve her. He offered to wait upon her, but she refused, saying she chose to go alone. Thus had she made her escape, but when in the street was seized with very alarming apprehensions, she was little acquainted with the town, and knew not which way to turn in search of a retreat. Resolving, however, to go far enough at least from the house she had quitted, she wandered on, almost tired to death, without stopping anywhere, till chance directed her to a retired nook, where she saw a bill for lodgings on one of the doors. Here she went in, and finding the place convenient for her present circumstances, hired a small but neat chamber, telling the people of the house that she was come to town in order to get a service, and till she heard of one to her liking, would be glad to do any needlework she should be employed in. The landlady, who happened to be a good motherly sort of woman, replied that she was pleased with her countenance, or she would not have taken her in without inquiring into her character, and as she seemed not to be desirous of an idle life, she would recommend her to those that should find her work if she stayed with her never so long. This was joyful news to our fair fugitive, and she blessed heaven for so favourable a beginning of her adventures. The woman was punctual to her promise, and being acquainted with a very great milliner, soon brought her more work than she could do, without encroaching into those hours nature requires for repose. But she seemed not to regret any fatigue, to oblige the person who employed her, and sent home all she did so neat, so curious and well-wrought, that the milliner easily saw she had not been accustomed to do it for bread, and was very desirous of having her into the house and securing her to herself. Louisa, thinking it would be living with less care, agreed to go, on this condition, that she should be free to quit her in case any offer happened of waiting upon a lady. This was consented to by the other, who told her that since she had that design, she could nowhere be so likely to succeed as at her house, which was very much frequented by the greatest ladies in the kingdom, she having the most curiosities of any woman of her trade, which they came there to raffle for. On this, Louisa took leave of her kind landlady, who, having taken a great fancy to her, and believing it would be for her advantage, was not sorry to part with her. A quite new scene of life now presented itself to her. She found, indeed, the milliner had not made a vain boast, for her house was a kind of rendezvous, where all the young and gay of both sexes daily resorted. It was here the Marquis of W. lost his heart, for a time, to the fine Mrs. S. Here that the Duke of G. first declared his amorous inclinations for Mrs. C., here that the seemingly virtuous Lady B. received the addresses of that agreeable rover Mr. D., here that the beautiful Duchess of M. gave that encouragement which all the world had sighed for to the more fortunate than constant Mr. C. In fine, it might properly enough be called the theatre of gallantry, where love and wit joined to display their several talents, either in real or pretended passions. Louisa usually sat at work in a back parlour, behind that where the company were, but into which some of them often retired to talk to each other with more freedom. This gave her an opportunity of seeing in what manner too many of the great world passed their time, and how small regard some of them pay to the marriage vow. 
every day presented her with examples of husbands who behaved with no more than a cold civility to their own wives and carried the fervour of their addresses to those of other men and of wives who seemed rather to glory in than be ashamed of a train of admirers how senseless would these people think me said she to herself did they know i chose rather to work for my bread in mean obscurity than yield to marry where i could not love tenderness mutual affection and constancy i find are things not thought requisite to the happiness of a wedded state and interest and convenience alone consulted yet was she far from repenting having rejected dorilaus or being in the least influenced by the example of others the adventures she was witness of made her indeed more knowing of the world but were far from corrupting those excellent morals she had received from nature and had been so well improved by a strict education that she not only loved virtue for its own sake but despised and hated vice though disguised under the most specious pretences her youth beauty and a certain sprightliness in her air was too engaging to be in the house of such a woman as mrs c for so this court milliner was called without being very much taken notice of and though most of the gentlemen who came there had some particular object in view yet that did not hinder them from saying soft things to the pretty louisa as often as they had the opportunity among the number of those who pretended to admire her was mr b afterwards lord f but his addresses were so far from making any impression on her in favour of his person or suit that the one was wholly indifferent to her and the other so distasteful that to avoid being persecuted with it she entreated mrs c to permit her to work above stairs that she might be out of the way of all such solicitations for the future either from him or any other this request was easily complied with and the rather because she who knew not the strength of her journeywoman's resolution nor the principles she had been bred in was sometimes in fear of losing so great a help to her business by the temptations that might be offered in a place so much exposed to sight mr b no sooner missed her than he inquired with a good deal of earnestness for her and on mrs c s telling him that she was gone away from her house became so impatient to know where and on what account she had left her that this woman thinking it would be of advantage to her to own the truth for she did nothing without that view turned off the imposition with a smile and said that perceiving the inclinations he had for her she had sent her upstairs that no other addresses might be a hindrance to his designs this pleased him very well and he ran directly to the room where he was informed she was and after some little discourse which he thought was becoming enough from a person of his condition to one of hers began to treat her with freedoms which she could not help resisting with more fierceness than he had been accustomed to from women of a much higher rank but as he had no great notion of virtue especially among people of her sphere he mistook all she said or did for artifice and imagining she enhanced the merit of the gift only to enhance the recompense he told her he would make her a handsome settlement and offered as an earnest of his future gratitude a purse of money the generous maid fired with a noble disdain at a proposal which she looked on only as an additional insult 
struck down the purse with the utmost indignation and cried that she was not of the number of those who thought gold an equivalent for infamy and that mean as she appeared not all his wealth should bribe her to a dishonourable action at first he endeavoured to laugh her out of such idle notions as he called them and was so far from being rebuffed at anything she said that he began to kiss and toy with her more freely than before telling her he would bring her into a better humour but he was wholly deceived in his expectations if he had any of the nature he pretended for she became so irritated at being treated in this manner that she called out to the servants to come to her assistance and protested she would not stay an hour longer in the house if she could not be secured from such impertinencies on which he said she was a silly romantic fool and flung out of the room mrs c hearing that there had been some bustle came up soon after and found louisa in tears she immediately complained of mr b s behaviour to her and said though she acknowledged herself under many obligations to her for the favours she had conferred on her she could not think of remaining in a place where though she could not say her virtue had any severe trials because she had a natural detestation to crimes of the kind that gentleman and some others had mentioned yet her person was liable to be affronted the milliner who was surprised to hear her talk in this manner but who understood her trade perfectly well answered that he was the best conditioned civil gentleman in the world that she did not know how it happened that she was certain indeed he loved her and that it was in his power to make her a very happy woman if she were inclined to accept his offers but she would persuade her to nothing these kind of discourses created a kind of abhorrence in louisa as they plainly showed her what before she had some reason to believe that she was in the house of one who would think nothing of a crime that she found it her own interest to promote however she thought it would be imprudent to break too abruptly with her and contented herself for the present with encasing her promise that neither mr b nor any other person should for the future give her the least interruption of the like sort from this day however she was continually ruminating how she should quit her house without running the risk of disobliging her so far as not to be employed by her for though she found herself at present free from any of those importunities to which both by nature and principles she was so averse yet she could not answer to herself the continuing in a place where virtue was treated as a thing of little or no consequence and where she knew not how soon she might again be subjected to affronts amidst these meditations the thoughts of dorilaus frequently intervened she reflected on the obligations she had to him and the mighty difference between the morals of that truly noble and generous man and most of those she had seen at mrs c s she wondered at herself at the antipathy she had to him as a husband whom she so dearly loved and honoured as a friend yet nothing could make her wish to be again on the same terms with him she had lately been it also greatly added to her affliction that she knew not how to direct to her brother for at the time of his departure little suspicious of having any occasion to change the place of her abode she had left the care of that entirely to dorilaus she was one morning very much lost in thought on the odd circumstance of her fortune 
when a gazette happened to be lying upon the table. She cast her eye without design upon the following advertisement. Whereas a young gentlewoman has lately thought fit to abscond from her best friends, and with the most diligent search that could possibly be made after her has not yet been heard of, this is to acquaint her that if she pleases to return, she shall hereafter have no disturbance of that nature which it is supposed occasioned her withdrawing herself, but live entirely according to her own inclinations. And this the advertiser hereof gives his word and honour, neither of which she has any cause to doubt, faithfully to adhere to. It shall also be at her choice to live either at the house she quitted, or to be again under the care of that gentlewoman who was entrusted with her education. She is therefore requested to conceal herself no longer, lest her youth, beauty, and inexperience of the town should betray her innocence into those very snares she fears to fall into. The very beginning of this paragraph gave her a conjecture it was meant for no other than herself, and the more she read the more she grew convinced of it. "'It must be so,' cried she. "'Every word, every circumstance confirms it. "'How unhappy am I that I cannot return so perfect an affection. "'Instead of detesting my ingratitude, "'he only fears I should receive the punishment of it. "'What man but Dorilaus would behave thus "'to the creature of his benevolence? "'If I have any merits, do not I owe them to his goodness?' my brother and myself, two poor exposed and wretched foundlings, what but his bounty reared us to what we are? Hard fate, unlucky passion, that drives me from his presence and protection. Yet, would she say again, if he has indeed subdued that passion, if he resolves to think of me as before he entertained it, if I was certain he would receive me as a child, how great would be the blessing!' This confederation had so much effect on her that she was half determined to comply with the advertisement. But when she remembered to have read that, where love is sincere and violent, it requires a length of time to be erased, and that those possessed of it are incapable of knowing even their own strength, and, as he had said to her himself, that there was no answering for the consequences— she grew instantly of another mind, and thought that putting herself again into the power of such a passion was running too great a hazard. The continual agitations of her mind, joined to want of air, a quite different way of life, and perhaps fitting more closely to work than she had been accustomed, threw her at length into a kind of languishing indisposition, which, though it did not confine her to her bed, occasioned a loss of appetite, and frequent faintings, which were very alarming to her. Mrs. C. was extremely concerned to observe this change in her, and would have the opinion of her own physician, who said that she had symptoms of an approaching consumption, and that it was absolutely necessary she should be removed into the country for some time. Louisa readily complied with this advice, not only because she imagined it might be of service for the recovery of her health, but also as it furnished her with a pretence for leaving Mrs. C.'s house, to which she was determined to return no more as a boarder. The good woman with whom she had lodged at first recommended her to a friend of hers at Windsor, where she immediately went and was very kindly received. End of chapter 3